Welcome to the Qualitox Podcast, a show about pharma and GMP. I'm Jan Kugel, your host, and today my guest is Nathan Roman, the Director of Validation at Genesis AEC. Nathan is passionate about thermal validation and loves helping people learn how to implement and carry out temperature mapping studies and equipment qualifications. In today's podcast, we will cover what thermal mapping is and why it's so important. Before we continue with Nathan, I want to thank Upri, a leading solution for storage compliance as a service for sponsoring this podcast episode. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to the Qualitox podcast. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Today, we will talk about thermal mapping, a topic I know you love. So tell me a bit about yourself and why you're passionate about it. Thank you very much for including me in your podcast today. Hey everyone, my name is Nate Roman and I have a passion to help others implement proven processes for temperature mapping studies and equipment qualifications. I've been personally providing commissioning, qualification and validation services for over 22 years. Over two decades of experience working hand in hand with customers like yourself, my goal has been to better inform and guide those with the aim to meet regulatory requirements and I do this by providing you simple, practical tools for compliant mapping and qualification. So Nathan, what are temperature mapping studies and why they are so critical for pharmaceutical compliance? To me, temperature is one of the most important parameters to control. The distribution of products, whether it be food, medicine, or vaccines, must be transported and handled and stored in a manner that mitigates the risk of exposure to temperature excursions. And that reality is the reason I've spent so much of my career supporting thermal mapping. Temperature mapping, also known as thermal mapping, is an activity performed on temperature controlled chambers that record or map out the chamber temperature over a period of time. I believe that the purpose of temperature mapping is to ensure and prove that a temperature controlled space is suitable for its intended purpose. Can you tell me where thermal mapping is required and why? Thermal mapping is required in the biopharma industry and for those that aim to comply with regulatory requirements. A manufacturing facility or a research lab operating in the health and life science space uh, must comply with these requirements. And that's no simple task, right? So doing so ensures that products are manufactured and delivered safely under meticulous regulations and standards. Um, The current good manufacturing practices, CGMP, according to the FDA, are requirements um, to maintain the product's safety, quality, and efficacy. As I was leading to earlier, uh, storage temperature is very important in maintaining those critical attributes because drug products or samples are temperature dependent and must be well sustained and controlled. The controlled temperature chambers used to store drug products, they they must be qualified. So that would entail equipment such as freezers, refrigerators, incubators, walk-in cold rooms, and warehouses. Can you share an overview of the temperature mapping study process and what is required? As we've mentioned, temperature mapping studies must be carried out to meet regulatory requirements. Temperature mapping should be carried out regularly as a part of the equipment qualification process. 
to ensure that the controlled temperature chamber is capable of, of accurate and repeatable performance, right? So at a high level, to perform an equipment qualification on a fridge or a freezer uh, or an incubator, for example, you'll need to first develop a protocol. Generally, a protocol is a document that functions as a plan or a procedure for our testing purposes. It contains a documented approach to conduct the qualification plan. Um, it would contain several sections such as uh, purpose, scope, equipment description, roles and responsibilities, your qualification approach or test method, the, the IQOQPQ test scripts, your acceptance criteria, and your summary report. Uh, and then finally, so you uh, would have it reviewed and approved. That would be the protocol generation step. Uh, the next step, you would gain approval signatures, and uh, the next would be um, the execution step. But since we're talking about temp mapping, I'll skip the majority of the details on the qualification and focus on just the mapping. The temp mapping study is a part of the overall qualification of that equipment. Um, both are required to ensure that the equipment is compliant and fit for its intended use. However, mapping solely focuses on the uniformity of the temperature distribution and the qualification protocol uh, extends beyond that. Um, maybe this is something that we could discuss on another podcast, um, but uh, you perform that temperature mapping activity by using calibrated temperature sensors or data loggers and you place them in specific predefined locations inside your chamber. Now you'll want to leave those sensors in place in their location without being disturbed for a set period of time, typically 24 hours for a freezer or a fridge. And once that testing is complete, you'll collect the data um, and pull the uh, appropriate time period that you've selected and the data loggers will be collected and the data and the data will be downloaded. Uh, that activity will show you exactly what's going on inside your space, such as um, hot spots or warm spots. And the results, you'll, you'll be documenting them into your protocol. And that data is compiled into one main report or, or separate reports for individual analysis of, of time and temperature. You'll use that data to determine whether or not your storage unit meets specification or uh, requirements that you've set for your intended product uh, samples or reagents that, that you're planning to store. So in other words, you're verifying that your equipment is fit for its intended use. Nathan, what would you say is the most challenging part of thermal mapping and how would you deal with it? The most challenging part of my job, um, that may be the explaining to some companies that are unclear as to what is expected of them when it comes to temperature mapping. I've been performing equipment qualifications for over 20 years, so I'm accustomed to the work, the, the document development, the number of data loggers required, where to place the sensors, how to place them analyzing the data, the potential problems, and the potential solutions. So I would say that at this point in my career, the, the, the quote-unquote challenging part is just getting people to know and understand why they must temperature map. Um, and you asked, how am I dealing with that challenging part? 
um, well, I'm doing things like this podcast, or I do webinars. Um, I'm creating content. I'm posting it on LinkedIn. And that's uh, mainly to support any of those validation specialists or equipment owners out there that, that must go out into the field and execute protocols. Before we continue to the next question, let me thank you pre again for sponsoring this event. If you want to upgrade your data loggers, you should know that UPRI's wireless temperature data logger constantly sends data to web-based software via Wi-Fi. It provides real-time temperature reports of your refrigerator, freezer, storage area, etc. For ultimate compliance, once temperature deviation happens, it will immediately send you an SMS and email alarm which minimizes the risk during the monitoring process. So make sure to visit them at upri.com. It's eupry.com later today. What would you say most people get wrong when they do a thermal mapping? And what would be your suggestion to improve on that? What do most people do wrong, you ask? Um, so thermal mapping is the, the single most common activity during a, a commissioning and qualification project, right? Uh, incubators, refrigerators, freezers, and other controlled temperature units are the most uh, qualified piece of equipment in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry. Um, this is typically an entry-level activity executed by inexperienced individuals who um, may just be very well new to the industry. So as a result, um, significant resources are spent correcting failures um, that could proactively have been addressed if, if proper training was given to the individuals executing that work. Um, so something as simple as hands-on training, although may seem like a simple um, yet time-consuming activity, it could very well um, be valuable and save organizations time and money. So Nathan, this sounds like a very interesting field to be at. So how did you get into it? And what would be your advice to newcomers that also want to be part of it? How can they do it more efficiently and cut through the red tape? So not everybody's story is the same as, as you um, would well know. And mine is certainly not like the norm. I got into this field by chance, if you will. I was a computer-aided draftsman, and I was doing computer-aided drafting, uh, 3D modeling, things like that at an engineering company. And I had an uncle who happened to be in the pharmaceutical industry, and he had been for many years. But I was just kind of getting into my profession as a CAD draftsman. Well, he had called me up and asked if I knew how to read P&IDs. So he had a need for some help on a project, and he needed someone to walk down the drawings and uh, of course, I knew how to read PNIDs because I drew them on CAD every day, all day. So I knew what it was that he needed. I went and I helped him for the weekend on the project. And that was my first exposure to the pharmaceutical world. Uh, walking around the facility, holding the PNIDs in my hand uh, with a highlighter, being able to you know, walk down the ductwork, verify the piping. Uh, that was my first exposure to the industry, uh, the validation industry. And from that point on, he had brought me in, uh, well, me and my cousins, actually, his sons. He brought us into the industry and he hired us and brought us on. Um, and that was my start. I left the CAD world and entered the validation world. 
So now um, you had asked about advice for newcomers. Um, I would say definitely go get some training. Definitely do that. Uh, there's some good training programs out there for from some other organizations. Uh, I myself am looking to put together some temp mapping courses, um, simple courses for people. Definitely get some you know, training courses under your belt. Whether it's uh, how to read PNIDs or write and execute protocols, I would say uh, to build on your industry experience and learn parts of the equipment and systems that are critical to GMP and GLP space. Know what um, you know the equipment's about. Know why you're you're doing what you're doing. Have an underst a good understanding of what it is you're doing helps when you're in the thick of it all. Even some Microsoft Word and Excel courses would help folks in our industry. Um, it would help them go farther if they knew how to create um, documents quickly uh, with the correct font, the correct formatting. Um, and with Excel, you know, with the project management side, um, even the data review and analysis side, being able to create graphs and charts and pivot tables and, and, uh, and reports. It definitely comes in handy to, uh, to have a little bit of training in that area. But as far as validation training goes, uh, temperature mapping training would definitely be useful. Go through some hands-on training, understand what temperature mapping is, know the requirements that are involved in the temperature study, understand where to put sensors, how many sensors you need. Um, you don't get um, that information unless you go through that training or you get that experience. So you either need to put in the time and do the work or uh, you need to go out and get it um, with some experience and training. Or you can um, go find a mentor, someone that can 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 help you out and, and help you along your way. I bet this field keeps evolving really quickly because uh, there is a lot of uh, new technology coming in, new regulations. So what resources do you recommend to stay up to date with uh, the latest regulations and uh, trends? I would say in order to stay up to date with the latest regulations and trends, a good place to start would uh, be to involve yourself in the industry groups that are out there. Uh, and what I mean by that is, are the ISPEs of the world or other industry associations. You can follow regulatory agencies or companies on social media. Um, and for all things temperature mapping related, for example, you can follow me. Uh, you can attend conferences and even talking to your peers and networking helps you to stay uh, current and involved. Nathan, so thank you so much for coming to the show and talking to me about your expertise. I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Jan, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to speak and share a little bit about myself. Uh, my passion is and always has been to help. Serving and helping others and working with individuals gives me the energy that I, that I seek. Um, so I look forward to the opportunities that, that I can help people implement the steps that, that I've learned over the years on all the different projects and from the different people that I've worked with. I've found success in what I do through the experience and um, what I've learned from others. So I found this to be fun and a good learning experience. And I absolutely look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Quality Talks podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about GMP, 
please visit us at www.qualistery.com. Stay compliant and see you at the next one.